before you leave. All right, let's say a quick prayer before we jump into the word. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room has an open heart to receive from you this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit guides me and that you speak through me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to jump right into Luke 10, 38 through 42. Appreciate our graphic this morning. Adonica works here at church, and me and Adonica were so proud of our laundry graphic for Mother's Day. And after we got done, we said, Kurt would hate this graphic. We were like, should we use it? And then we're like, you know what? He's not going to be here, so let's do it. So we used it anyways. So as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It is the main course and won't be taken from her. Now, a lot has been written about um, Martha and her sister Mary based on this story in Luke 10. And the typical message for this story is to not be like Martha, right? Be like Mary and put Jesus first. Have your priorities right. And uh, it bothers me so much that this is the most typical lesson taught. And, to, and today, although it's not a very bad lesson, we are going to look at it a little bit different. Martha often gets a bad rap, and we get the impression that something is wrong with being like her. And you know why I think it bugs me so much? Because I am Martha. And you might see yourself in Martha too. I envision Martha as strong and savvy. She's a to-do list kind of woman. Um, She's task-oriented, and she gets stuff done. She's a giving person who shows her gift of hospitality by opening up her home to Jesus and his disciple. Martha also shows her courageous side by being close friends with Jesus and housing him. It was actually dangerous to associate too closely with Jesus because the authorities were trying to find a way to kill him. She was willing to face the consequences and let everyone know her devotion to him. We should commend her for her gifts of service in seeing to the need of others. Martha was busy making sure her guests were comfortable and well-fed. But I love the part of the verse that says, but Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. You know what happened to Martha? She got overwhelmed. She started to worry about everything that needed to be done. She had Jesus and all these men to feed, and she started worrying about preparing the meal. Now, any moms in here ever planned a birthday party for your child? Yeah. Brittany and I planned uh, Jackson and Arlie's first birthdays last year. We had a combined birthday party, and it was so much fun. And why do we go all out on a one-year-old's birthday party? I don't know. Our husbands would like to know the answer to that, too. But we did a fiesta theme, 
and we had balloon arches, we had a photo wall, catered food, sombrero hats, matching shirts, a mashing smash cake for the babies, a bigger cake for all of our guests. It was like a big old thing. But we literally spent all day preparing for this party. And if my dad had walked in and said, hey girls, let's pause for a bit and do a devotional, we would have screamed at him and said, uh, we don't have time for that right now. And maybe for you, it is time. There's not enough time to get everything done. You rush out of the house, getting some kind of food in the belly of your kids. You get them to school. You get to work on time. You do two people's job for one person's pay. After work, you rush home. You get three kids. You put them in the car. You take the first kid to karate. You have 15 minutes to make a 20-minute drive to get your second kid to baseball practice. Somehow you make it on time. You then go to Chick-fil-A. You put your third kid in the play place so you can have a moment's peace. And then you pick up dinner all to retrace your steps. You're feeling pretty good, right? You get home. You're feeling good about yourself when you only realize that you left your third kid in the play place at Chick-fil-A. We've either done it or we've been really close to doing it, right? We feel overwhelmed, right? There's too much. Maybe it's your finances. It's that feeling in your stomach as you walk to the mailbox because there's already been more month than there's been money. And it's that feeling of dread of what's waiting on me when I open this up. What bill is there that I don't have money for? I feel overwhelmed. Maybe it's your marriage. You're going, you know what? A loving, caring relationship sounds awesome. But to be honest, I would just settle for civility. Like, could we just not argue for one day, right? It's too much. Maybe it's comparison, right? As you see your best friend posting a picture on social media from the from scratch, gluten-free, non-dairy, no-dye meal that she has just made, and she's going to feed it to her kids. It looks like it's straight out of Pinterest. And you're eating Frosted Flakes for the third time that week. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Some of you are saying, well, I didn't before, but now that I'm at church, I feel completely overwhelmed. (laughs) Welcome to Tulia Christian Fellowship. We're so glad you're here. But going back to Martha, I think it's important to remember that Mary and Martha were real people, right? They're not illustrations in a parable. They're real women with real responsibilities. Women were valued for being good wives, keeping the house, and having children. So it's not surprising that Martha's first instinct um, at Jesus' visit was to make sure that the dinner was taken care of. She was striving to be the good hostess, the good cook, the person behind the scenes who keeps everything going. She was living just like how many of us women live today, and she was overwhelmed. So, what does Jesus do? Jesus corrects Martha because she is bothered about many things. Who is here this morning that is bothered by many things? Now, if I add my own interpretation of Jesus's words in my head, it may sound like this. You're not enough. You need to improve to be accepted. You need to try harder to be loved. Do better. Be better, Martha. You may feel guilty for being task-oriented, or maybe you feel guilty for not being task-oriented. Maybe you feel like God wants to interrupt your well-oiled agenda, and you need to do something more. Maybe you scold yourself for being a doer, and at the same time, you may feel like God is mad at you because you haven't been doing enough. Yet, what 
if God was really trying to say to Martha and to you and me, I just want to tell you that I love you. I just want to spend time with you and remind you of my love, my love for who I created you to be. See, I didn't choose to be a doer. I was designed to be one. My temperament is not to be erased, but rather to be celebrated and used for God's glory. Just like your temperament is to be celebrated and used for God's glory. So what if God isn't asking us to be Mary, but instead wants to tell us how much he loves the Marthas that we are? See, he wasn't attacking her character or who she was. Jesus never asked Martha to be Mary and doesn't ask you to be either. He simply points out that you do not have to serve from a place of striving and worry because he is already enough for you. He is not holding out on you. We have added words to what Jesus said and have compromised parts of who he created us to be in the process. As women, let's stand together confident in who we are and who we belong to. We belong to the King of Kings, the risen one, the most high God, and he loves us for who we are and not what we do. You know, after my husband and I got married, we had been married for about seven or eight years, and we had the desire to start a family. And since I was a doer and a planner, just like Martha, we had gotten married, graduated college, gotten good jobs, served the Lord through this whole time. We had taken all the right steps to live a good life. So we both wanted a baby and wanted to start a family. So one year passed, then two years passed, then three years passed, and before I knew it, eight years had passed, and we still were not pregnant with a baby. And honestly, that left me with a lot of disappointment. And that disappointment started turning into fear and at times even worry and anxiety. It was one of the most overwhelming seasons of my life because what if I never have a baby? What if I never get to have a family with kids? What if God doesn't show up for me? And as hard as it was to feel all of that disappointment and even fear, I think it was even harder to feel that way about God. Because I would pray so hard and I would get so frustrated because God, I know you're good. I know that you love me. I know you're powerful. Why is this happening to me? Why are we going through this? Why won't you just fix this? What the heck, God? Because we start to expect it from other people to let us down. But do we, what do we do when it feels like God is not going to come through? And I remember one of my lowest times, we had spent months preparing for IVF. Arthur had given me hundreds of shots. We had spent our entire savings account. We had traveled miles and miles. And our first IVF transfer was negative. And you know what's so crazy? I drove to Amarillo to do the blood test to see if I was pregnant. And it takes them a day or two to get back to you since it's a blood test. And on the way home, the song, It Is Well by Bethel came on. And immediately God told me that the test was negative. And I just started crying. And that song says, even when my eyes can't see, and this mountain that is front of me will be thrown into the depths of the sea. Through it, I, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well with my soul. And I told God, it is not well with my soul. My soul is tired. 
I'm tired of praying. I'm tired of hoping. I am done. I told God that. I said, I am done. I said, if you're not going to give me a baby, then take this desire away from me. I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of grieving. I'm tired of worrying. I'm tired of being overwhelmed. And when you get to the middle of that song, it says, let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. Let go my soul and trust in him. And I heard God say, rest in me. Let go of your soul and trust in me. And I'm on the highway driving, crying my eyes out. Have you ever ugly cried while you're driving? It's not pretty, right? And you're just hoping that when a car passes that they don't look over and you make eye contact with them. You're like, no. And when I think about this story, I think about Mary. Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening. That's how close they are. And one day Lazarus gets sick. And so Mary and Martha, they write Jesus a letter and they send it out and they say, Lord, the love, the one you love is sick. Please come. And here's what Mary is expecting. Mary's just expecting Jesus to come and heal her brother. Like he loves us. He's actually only a couple of miles down the road. He does this all the time. Like this is easy, but that's not what happens. Jesus waits. In fact, he waits days. And when he finally shows up, Lazarus has been dead and buried in a tomb for four days. So Martha goes out to meet Jesus. But Mary, Mary, she hangs back. Could you imagine the disappointment that Mary must be feeling? Her brother is going through all this pain. And if I'm Mary, I'm not worried, right? Like, yeah, it looks bad. But at any moment, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to make it better. Like, this is going to be nothing. And then he doesn't. And she has to watch her brother die. So yeah, when Jesus shows up, she stays in the house. And to be honest, we do the same thing. When God doesn't do what, he, what we want him to do, it wrecks us. Because it feels like every anxiety I had about God just came true. What if you're really not good? What if you really don't love me? What if you're like every other person in my life who just lets me down? Disappointment sets in and even the fear of disappointment, it stops us from coming to God. And for some of us, that what if he doesn't show up, that's the reason you don't want God at all. Disappointment turns into fear. Fear turns into anxiety. And it holds us back because hope is just too painful. I could imagine that Mary is feeling all of these same feelings, and that's okay. What's important is that she does not stay there. She comes to Jesus with her disappointment and all. In fact, this is what it says in John chapter 11, verse 32 through 35. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. 
I want to encourage you. You have permission to bring Jesus your pain and your questions. You have permission to bring Jesus your disappointment. See, he let Mary cry. Even though he already knew what he was about to do, he didn't dismiss her. He didn't belittle her. He didn't say, get over it. No, he cried with her because he loved her and her pain mattered to him. See, Jesus meets us in our disappointment. And even though he already knows the good things he has planned for you, he will meet you in your disappointment too because he loves you. But the cool thing is that Jesus doesn't just meet us in our disappointment. He resurrects our disappointment. Because after he comforted Mary, he turned around and did one of the greatest miracles he has ever done and brought Lazarus back to life. Raised him from the dead. He had been dead four days and he brought him back to life. See, this is what they were expecting. Jesus, come heal Lazarus. But he didn't do that. No, instead he turned around and he brought him back from the dead. He brought hope where there was no hope. He brought peace where there was no peace. He brought life where there was no life. And he did the same for me. You know, I told you earlier about wanting to start a family and God did not do what I wanted him to do when I wanted him to do it. I had to wait eight years for answered prayer. And now I have a beautiful baby girl and a beautiful three-year-old girl as well. God goes above and beyond. But in that time, he actually did something more than just answered prayer. During that time, I had to seek God. And when I did, he gave me peace when I needed peace. He gave me hope when I needed hope. He gave me strength when, he needed, when I needed strength. And he healed my hurt. And now I don't think I would have the relationship with God that I do if I hadn't gone through all that disappointment. So what about you? Are you disappointed or overwhelmed because things don't go the way you wanted them to? Are you disappointed because of what's happened to you or what is happening to you? Are you letting that turn into anxiety that holds you back and controls your life? Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you received the love of the Lord? No strings attached, without condition. I invite you today on Mother's Day to rest in the love of the Lord. Take time out of your day today to rest in his goodness, his grace, and his love for you. As a mom, as a woman, as a wife, as a grandmother, take the time today to let Jesus lovingly remind you the importance of receiving and not just doing. You know, as a mom, or even as a woman, I never felt like I had time for that. To just rest in the love of the Lord and to receive without doing. And you know what's interesting? In the scriptures, men are always going up into the mountains to meet with the Lord. But we hardly ever hear of women going to the mountains to meet with the Lord. And we know why, right? Because the women were too busy keeping life going. They couldn't abandon babies, meals, homes, fires, gardens, and a thousand responsibilities to make it to climb into the mountains. But I have good news. Don't miss this, ladies. That is why God comes to women. Men have to climb the mountain to meet God, but God comes down to women wherever they are. He meets them at the wells where they draw water for their families. 
in their home, just like he did with Mary and Martha, in their kitchens, in their gardens. He comes to them as they sit beside sick beds, as they give birth, they care for the elderly and perform necessary mourning and burial rites. Even at the empty tomb, Mary was the first to witness Christ's resurrection because she was there because she was doing the womanly chore of properly preparing Christ's body for burial. So when you're going through your day and you're doing all the mundane, ordinary tasks, Jesus will come to you wherever you are. I was on a highway driving when he came to me. I was not praying. I was not fasting. I was not doing devotions. Nope, I was just driving back to work. So if you're like me and you ever start to think that you don't have as much time to spend in the mountains with God, remember, God comes to women. Also, going back to the men going up into the mountains to meet with the Lord. I want to speak to the men on that. This is why men's retreat is so important. As a man, it's your responsibility to meet with the Lord and bring a message back to your family. At men's retreat, you literally go into the mountains and meet with the Lord. My husband is a better husband today because of men's retreat. He's a better father because of men's retreat. He's a better friend because of men's retreat. So don't discount what meeting face-to-face with Jesus can do for your husband. It is so worth it to let him go. All right, let's bow our heads and we will end in prayer. Dear Lord, I pray for every individual in this room this morning, every person who feels overwhelmed, who feels like life is just too much sometimes. I pray they receive your love today, that they rest in your goodness, your grace, and your love. I pray for every mom in this room, that you fill her up with your love and restore her energy to be the best mom that she can be. I also pray for the women who are longing to be a mother, Lord. I pray that you fill them with hope and faith to keep trusting in you, Lord. I also pray for all the sons and daughters in this room who have moms in heaven today, Lord. I pray that you fill them with peace and comfort and that you walk through this day with them. I pray that every woman in this room takes time to remember the importance of receiving and not just doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.